Welcome back to Keep Off The Feds podcast, the number one Matlock Town podcast that is now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music. So a plethora of options for you to listen to. Uh, joining me today, we have two people, my co-host, a man who finished second in a recent Gareth Southgate lookalike competition. It's Matthew Rhodes. Matt, how are you, mate? I am all right, yeah. Getting quite bored of this particular lockdown, uh, but we're getting there. We're getting there. How are you? Matt, I, I, I appreciate you've changed the room you're in on Zoom, so instead of your front room, we're, we're enjoying the cream tones of your bedroom, for, for lack of a better term. Yeah, Isabel has uh, the living room at the moment, so uh, she's in a very uh, gobby mood at the moment, so I need to be upstairs. So I guess we should introduce today's special guest, um, the, our bespectacled special guest, for, for lack of a better term. He, by day, he is a mild-mannered mank, um, but when it comes to 3pm on Saturday, he has been often described as the wild one. It's, it's only day wild. Hi, pal. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right. I've been told to keep it PC, so... PC, PG, PG... Just behave in general and we'll be all right. I'm trying to that bad. I've got this horrendous... Um, sort of rep- representation of myself of being a bit of cannon head. I'm actually quite professional. You're always professional, Dave. Don't worry. Not my fault if you two panic when I'm around. Oh, <laughs> I, I tell you, when, whenever Gaffer says, oh, why don't you interview well this day? My stomach drops out, let me tell yeah. you. So, uh, you, just, on, just to pop in, um, the only time I was actually scared of you uh, right. Dave was um, the well was the first time I ever actually spoke to you properly. Uh, it was the, oh, Hyde. Hyde. the game against Hyde where, well, there might be children listening, but Matlock were dreadful, <laughs> were really really bad, and you did well to only lose three one, and uh, yeah, and um, I was waiting for Philo, and then uh, you came out. And said, I'll do the interview, but I need to calm myself down first. And you just sat down on the front row of the stand and let you simmer down for about five minutes. That that was a bit scary. But now, um, you know. I mean, we'll talk about that later on in this. <laughs> that was um, about a month before when I was still at Mosley. We got beat 7-1 on Boxing Day uh, at Ramsbottom. And genuinely, that Hyde one was worse felt worse for me that so uh if you want to discuss that bring it up later let's just ease me in <laughs> look at, look at these two i'm sat here with a crib sheet of, of stuff where we're going to start where we're going to go these two are just jumping in where we're all the big stories at the start so i guess we should start with the news segment and surprise surprise there's not been a lot of news but just as we were coming on air some breaking news, which by the time this goes out on Sunday won't be quite as breaking as it is currently. The National League North and South have been null and voided. There'll be no relegation. There'll be no promotion. Meaning, if I was a betting man, and I'm not, if the FA is listening, then I would say 
there's a good chance now that Matlock's League, the Northern Premier League, the pitching in Northern Premier League, got a piece of sponsors, will be null and voided as well. How do you both feel about that? I've accepted that about six months ago. <laughs> um, this se- I don't. This season was never going to finish. Just never going to finish. Shouldn't have even started it. Um, I'm glad they did because obviously we've been quite. It's been quite positive in terms of what's happened at Matlock in terms of on the pitch. Um, and obviously we had a good cut run and stuff, so we we earned a few few pounds for the club, which at the moment is sort of vital, really, isn't it? But um, never, they never should have started it in the first place. Oh, they should have at least had a contingency um, for this happening because it was always going to happen. So I, I'm past it, to be honest, for this season. I've ac- I accepted it a long time ago. Is it a case of, because I know you're somebody, I don't think I've ever met somebody who lives and breathes football in quite the way you do. I've, I've known you literally, like, I thought I had odd sleep patterns and things like that, but there's been times where I've woke up and I've, I've got a message from Wiley at like 7am, and it'll just be something out of the blue, it'll be like, oh, can you see how many times Adam Yates won a header against X team? Can you do that? And you it's look, like you look closely at the text. You read it at seven. I sent that at four. There, there <laughs> you go. But it's it must be difficult because I know you've got um, a job outside of football. It must yeah. be difficult to uh, adapt to just you know general day to day stuff. Because I know when I wake up on a Saturday and there's no football, it, it does feel a bit like a gut kick. Um. Yeah, I'm, str- I'll be, I'm, str- I'm struggling at the minute, but there's no point uh, crying, crying about it, it's the wrong phrase, but sulking about it or, you know, moping around about it because there's thousands of people in my position all up and down the country. So, you know, I'm quite lucky in the sense I've got um, a good network in, in football, so I still speak to a lot of managers, players, um, you know, people like yourself. I speak to Philo pretty much every, well, every day I speak to Philo. So still constantly at it. Uh, it's just quite difficult at the minute because there's no end game to it. Um, I think the best way to describe it is sort of, you know, I'm on my 220th date now with the bird and uh, still not gone back to her house. <laughs> that's the best way to describe it. It's not that to describe it. Sort of like just a bit. I wouldn't even mind if we could go training and get to second base. You know what I mean? We can't. It, no. It's that community aspects, I think, that and the camaraderie that yourself, Philo, and all the lads have as well. I, I think it's difficult when you spend, and I know I've found this as well, when you spend your time around a group of people and then that group of people not be there, it's difficult to adapt. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible, especially the sort of group that we've sort of built and, and put together because every single one's a massive character. Every single one plays a big part on and off the pitch and um, yeah, it's like losing the other half of your family really, I suppose. That's the best way for, for me to look at it is I see, I see Philo and the likes of, I don't know, what pick a player, any player, Ryan Qualter, I'll, I see them probably just as much, if not more than I see my girlfriend uh, week to week. So, you know, it is a big, it's been a big impact uh, on people's lives, but it is what it is. Hopefully, um, everyone's friend Boris has got an announcement coming. In. Well, it'll be out on Sunday, won't it? So hopefully, the announcement will happen. But it, it, 
at some point we've got to get past being petrified of these figures or numbers or whatever whatever you want to call them. Having we've got to attempt to go back to normal, otherwise this will go on forever. Well, we're not here to discuss COVID. Uh, I know we've all got plenty of views on that. It's it's just a difficult one. I know uh, I know you've had COVID, Wildy. I know it. You know, I think you it hit you pretty hard. I think it hit the club pretty hard because of me. <laughs> well, I, I didn't like to come and place blame on your doorstep, but yeah, I think it's it's just one of those things. And like you say, I think the sooner it's safer for us all to get together again, it, it will be better. But we have to be safe, of course. And yeah, look, it, look, it's not nice. It absolutely wiped me off my feet, but. No, people have just got. Oh, I don't know. You're a football man. <laughs> You're a football man who wants to do football things, and I respect that. Yeah, just I just miss competition and sort of shouting at people and getting shouted at a fellow and. I, I, I've miss well, it. just miss it. Just miss everything about. It. I miss coming home stressed because we've lost. As mad as that sounds, like I like that. I like having to plan and prep. So. That was a very short news segment because there's not much else happening right now. So I wear, I'll, I wear glasses now. Uh, while he wears glasses, I'm telling you, it's he looks like he's about to give me a lecture on quantum science. I'm very impressed. Graham's uh, actually going to bring out my own range of glasses at the club shop. Oh, Graham's hey, got, got his fingers. Yeah, he's got his fingers in more pies oh, than think. anyone I've ever met. No, well, no comment actually. Have you seen? <laughs> <laughs> Behave yourself. We're treading the line, folks. We're ten minutes in, and we're treading the line already. So, I want to move on. Uh, talk to you, Wiley, a bit. I know me and Matt were discussing this prior to the podcast. We don't think you'll be able to confirm this. Did you go straight into coaching? Or did you play before you went into coaching? Because we couldn't remember exactly. Do you want to know the absolute truth? I want yes. to know everything. Well, let, uh... right. But I used to play footy at school. Decent. I was all right. So my mates at school will, well, so Ben Arfaker will have something to say about that. Um, but, yeah, I was all right. I was never going to be a pro. Um, I started knocking about with people I probably shouldn't have started knocking about with. Um, come off the rails for well, come off the rails, um, and then uh, sort of come back to football when I met Katie, uh, when I was about 24 ish, 25, uh, and just I packed in my job and started coaching, and that and the rest is history. I've always wanted to uh, manage and coach, or whatever you want to, you know, whatever it's you know. Currently, I'm an assistant, so I'm not, I'm not bothered what my role is as long as I'm um, involved in football. So that that's sort of been um, something that's really turned my life around uh, and kept me out of my trouble and going down a path that was well, I was well down it, uh, which is is what it is. It'll come out one day, I suppose. <laughs> um, but um, yes, that was made in play. I, I started coaching at City in the community. Voluntary, and then you know, I think everyone knows about my work ethic in terms of football, and it's because I love it. So I've worked voluntary for about three, four months, and then casual, part time, full time. Moved around roles, uh, and then I went 
to Curzon Ashton as an opposition scout uh, first for John Flanagan. Um, my mate Stevie Everall was the keeper coach, and that was sort of when non-league started. And I've, uh, you know, it's quite well. Well, a lot of people know that me and John sort of didn't it didn't work out at Mosley, but he uh, he's probably been the biggest and most important influence on my career. Uh, he was the one who got me going, and I'll forever be grateful to him. And a lot of what I am is because of him. So that was sort of my route into non-league. Then I went to Main Road for a little bit just to sort of cut my teeth in the dugout. Uh, went to Norfolk Vicks with Adam Lakeland. I think I did that in hindsight. Now I did that way too early, going trying to go in the Evo stick at 26, 26. I was too young for that, way too young. And Adam's very experienced and a very good coach. You know, producing the pudding, he's took Farsley up. Uh, and I think I was a bit pig-headed at the time and probably was a bit reluctant to learning um, his way and stuff. And that's, you know, it is what it is. It's my my loss, that ultimately. Uh, and then I got offered a job at Stockport Town, managed Stockport Town, got a job at Mosley, managed Mosley, and then obviously come to Mark. Yeah. To... From between that step and Mosley, because the roles between you and Philo were the opposite way round there. Yeah. He came in as your assistant, then you came to Matlock as his assistant. What was it that made you want to take that step up to Matlock? Because it's only a division, but I know you seem to be somebody who, when he buys into something, he buys into it, and you're you're all about Matlock. Like I I can't remember a time. We've had a conversation that hasn't included Matlock Town in some way. Yeah, because I'm you're not my mate, are you? I'm not going to speak to you about other stuff. Well, <laughs> so it's all coming up. I'm only joking, mate. Um, so Philo Philo left Buxton um, at the same time that I had a, a hell of a hell. Yeah, I don't know. We'll probably speak about it in a bit. I had a horrendous six months at, at Mosley in terms of my management staff um, and. I the first year at Mosley was brilliant. We had a great team. Probably should have gone up. I think if if I could go back now with that group of players, I genuinely think we'd get over the line and more experienced and less pig-headed and more receptive to support and help. Um, and you know, I wanted to push the club on because we were so close to it in the playoffs. Uh, after what ten years of absolute obscurity of, of Mosley. Obscurity is harsh because it's not fair that on people like Bandy and Lloyd because they did do a good job with sort of what they had at their disposal. But I just think we took Mosley on a bit. Uh, myself, Terry, Phil Karat, um in that first year and we we pushed on and I wanted to go a different direction in the second year and I shouldn't have done it. I just shouldn't have done it. I, I've, I've, I F the whole thing up and I'm happy to admit that. Um <clears throat> But Philo had gone through pretty much an identical situation to me at Buxton. Um, he'd obviously, you know, Philo's a great manager. Philo's you know, proofs in the pudding. Again, I've said that three, four times already, but I mean, clubs as he took to playoffs or, you know, teetered on the edge of playoffs and getting clubs up, he's, you know, he's, he's not a muppet, is he, at this level? So I think that we sort of, uh, we clicked very quickly when we met. I met him for a brew uh, when I asked him to come in at, at Mosley because John Flanagan had left and obviously needed some support because we were having a bit of a wobbly patch and I needed some experience and a bit of a um, 
a, a different approach and it and it worked so well, so so well. He, he came in and we we just we hit the ground running. I'm not saying I didn't play my part, but Philo played a huge part in it and and we fixed it. We got we got things right. We got a really good squad back together. Um, and um, then obviously he got the opportunity to come to Matlock. Uh, asked me to come. I'm not turning that down. So uh, you know I, I'd had. I think, in all honesty, I think I took Mosley as far as I could, as I could um, at that point because I'd lost. Do you know the ins and outs of Mosley with Phil Karat, the assistant? Uh, break it down for us. Break it down for the Phil, listeners. Phil, Phil was my best friend. I love the like. I love him. Uh, that's never going to change. And he massively advised me not to bring John Flanagan in. I wanted to bring him in. I was pig-headed. I, I wanted it to happen. I didn't want Phil to leave. I wanted it to be sort of two assistant managers, a bit like when it was myself and Brian with Philo. Uh, Phil didn't agree with it. And rightly for him, he, he resigned. And looking back, I probably should have done a hell of a lot more to keep him. Um, but in my defence, not that I need... I'm not apologising to anyone, so I don't need to, but I... My my vision was look, John Flanagan got out of that division, got out of the division above, been incredibly successful in the conference national uh, conference north. Sorry, why wouldn't I want to learn off my own mentor? Um, and it just didn't work. And it is what it, it happens. It is what it is. But it affected me in a very very big way losing Phil because uh, my best friend speaks to him 10, 15 times a day. But every he was like sort of the only person in football that I'd speak to not about football. Uh, and I've lost that now. So. You know, we still, I spoke to him a couple of days, well, texting yesterday, but um, what will be, will be with that. And then, obviously, Philo would have had a, quite a similar situation at Buxton. Um, and I think we both tried to push our clubs at the time, Buxton and Mosley, in a different direction. It didn't work. We recruited wrong. And that's no offence to the players that come in at Mosley because everyone put it in for me. It just didn't work. Um, and then, obviously, we got together, it clicked. And, and then the Matlock thing come up, so... Sort of, I just, I'm 33 now, I was 32 when I come to Matt, just 32 when I come to Matlock. You know, I'm not pig-headed enough anymore to look at my time at Mosley and think to myself that um, probably at that jump, well, earlier than anyone I know, apart from maybe Callum McIntyre at Runcorn, but he'd done the rounds at sort of Chester's youth level and he's got extremely good contacts and, yeah, I'm a, I've got thousands of contacts and I've got loads. I'm very good at recruitment and I know what I'm doing. I can be a good manager, will be a good manager. And, and I'm good at certain things, but I wasn't ready for really taking a club, not not on the pitch, but off the pitch uh, forward. So the opportunity to learn from Philo, who's been there and done it at a club. You know, Matlock's a big club at, at, at MPL level. Everyone knows about him and... I see it as very similar to Mosley in the fact that it's a community club. It's sort of a little village club and, you know, we, we did a tremendous job at Mosley. So, you know, let's go and do it again at Matlock. And I think that I've already in six months or 12 months and we've barely played, but I've learned so much about me, my style, what I can do uh, working with Philo that's going to make me a much more rounded football person. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm still to this day extremely glad that I, made the decision because I think that if I'd have tried to get a manager's job at this level, uh, let's just say, let's just say for argument's sake, I applied for the Matlock job and I got it and I wouldn't have been ready. I just wouldn't have been ready for it. Um, and I think now I'm nurturing myself 
to be the best assistant manager in the league. That's my aim now whilst I'm under Philo. So I've learned loads about the level. I've learned loads about teams at the level. Different, you know, players are much better, fitter, stronger, more experienced. And yeah, so that's that was the whole point about me going from a number one to a number two. I got absolutely caned off people saying that I bottled it and all this nonsense. And I I got told once that I was people were saying I was a water boy um, at, at Matlock. So I made sure that we started putting glucose in the water. So I was the best water boy in the league. Um, and that was sort of, you know, that, that, that period of my life was a bit chaotic, but I'm so glad I made the decision to come. I think like we're there are a lot of things. I've just, I've just completely gone around the houses there. Sort of, sort of no, around. no, mate. I think right. it's 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 interesting to sit and hear your thoughts. I know getting to know you, somebody who is very upfront and honest about football and about life in general. And I think part of coaching from an outsider's perspective, it, a lot of that is learning from your mistakes and learning where things have gone wrong. So I think it's it's a case now, looking forward, that we need to sort of learn and go from there. But I, I wanted to speak very briefly. I was going to ask Spillo this. We'll probably speak to Spillo in a few weeks' time. Look, I think a lot of managers, assistant managers, coaches, will look at Matlock and will say, right, is there something wrong there? Because there's been a lot of managerial changes at Matlock in a short time. A lot of, and, and to, in fairness to the club, it's not a lack of trying. There's been a lot of managers that have come in, have been varying experience, varying knowledge, varying player pools. Did you and Philo look at Matlock as a project, look at something that you could get your teeth into? And was there any sort of feeling of you know sort of dread at the challenge ahead or was it something you were excited about dread any challenge ever um it was right for the time i think the big thing was fair play to fellow because ultimately the job before was buxton um and that's ballsy that for me i think i think to go from a direct sort of um, relegation rival from that season because ultimately, you know, he, he'll be the first to admit that he had a bad season and they were down there, weren't they, when we first came in? And um, I think that was, I think that was really balls over. But he deserves the pat on the back for saying no, we'll go for it. Um, I'm not scared of any challenge. Like anyone who knows me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shirk. So, Weldy, my first sort of big impression of you uh, when you came over to Matlock uh, was. Uh, the I think the penultimate game uh, before everything stopped for the first uh, national lockdown, uh, which of course was in the previous season, and uh, you lost to Hyde United three one. And to put it politely, Matlock did well to only lose three uh, one. It was uh, a really bad performance, and uh, yeah, disgrace. <laughs> and uh, but what I noticed as well, because um, that was the first time I'd ever interviewed you. Uh, was uh, you actually went over to fans in person, uh, you know, when when that was a, used to be a thing, when fans could go to football stadiums. 
Um, and you actually went over and apologised to all the people that, you know, had, had paid to uh, to go and watch their team and obviously do it away from home as well. Um, just at that point, were you a bit worried about how Matlock were doing and just how was that game sort of like an indicator as to how big a job uh, that you and Philo had on your hands? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The... Um... I think the top and bottom of the top and bottom of it was too many of the players didn't care. Remotely bothered about Matlock as a club. They weren't remotely bothered about me and Philo as or Philo and me as people. Um, they were running the they were running the season down. Um, I think that's a uh, an honest assessment in terms of the playing squad. That's not me. I'm not saying every single one of them, but. Big chunk of them were um, they hadn't bought into what Matlock is, what Matlock's about, and Matlock's a, a community club and a, a family club, and and it's um, it should and hopefully is now becoming again a very close knit uh, community club, which leads on to the the reason why I, I did go and apologise to fans and I did want to take the time to speak to them because that's not what. Filler with myself or about or any of the staff or the club. We're, we're not. Listen, it, it, if I don't listen, losing's part of the game, right? And I will lose, or we will lose, and Filler will lose, and I'll lose, whatever. Thousands of games between now and the end of life. Because <laughs> that's the game. That, that's, that's what it is. Nobody wins every game. If you somebody could win every game, then I'd be at Man City, wouldn't we? So, my point is that losing is fine, right? It's how you lose. And that day was horrific, horrifically bad. Um, there was no excuses. There was no sort of me or Philo or anyone hiding behind. Oh, well, this isn't our squad. You know, we we took big responsibility for what happened that day. And, and that's why I want to go around and speak to the fans because we want Matlock to be representation of what we're about and you know you've said it yourselves about sort of myself and and Philo is my workhorses and the rest of the staff I keep saying that it's just me and Philo it's not Philo's at the head of it and we all graft we all graft for him because he's that sort of man so we're all we're hard working down to earth um, sort of working class people we're not Silver Spoon characters were were you know we're all we're all grafters um and that was not a representation of what any of us expect that day uh which is why we or obviously I took it upon myself that day to go and speak to the fans because if, I truly believe if they'd have gone home without listening to me or me taking the time out for them I don't think uh I don't think we would be getting the crowds that we're getting this year and I don't think that the connection between play, um, playing and, and management staff and fans would be anywhere near as strong as it as it has been this season. Um, and it's all down to, at the end of the day, it's their club. I'm just a small part in it. Philo's just a small part in it. And, and the players are a small part in it. It's their club. We want them to be happy, win, lose or draw. They have to be able to say, go home when they're having a brew or they're having the tea with the 
the the wives, whatever, whatever it is, the husbands or the kids or or whatever, and have to be able to say, first things first is one hundred percent was put into that match, and that and that's why I needed to do what I did that day because that's something that I will live by no matter where I end up or any aspect of my life is if you're doing it, do it and do it your best of the ability. Don't come half-hearted. Um, don't come to pick a wage up. Don't because it's this is a luxury. There's thousands of people who want that opportunity to play for a club like Matlock. So I'd rather have somebody from the Northwest Counties over somebody who's played in the Premier League who's just there to prance around the pitch. I'm not saying that anybody was that that day, by the way, but to prance around the pitch and pick up a pick up a, a wage on a Friday night. Not happen. Don't work like that. Um, and uh, you know what? Listen, I'll do it for free. Money don't it don't come into it for me. And I, and I have done it for free when I first came. It doesn't matter. It's still the money. It means nothing to me. I'm quite happy to phone Bryn and say, "Don't worry about paying me. I'm not interested." Because I do it because I love football. I love community clubs. I love seeing um, smiles on fans' faces. And there is no no better reward than going into a clubhouse after a game. And a random person who you've probably spoke to once in your life coming up to you and telling them how much they appreciate what you've done for their week with that football club. And that's why I needed to do that on that day. And just obviously because, well, nothing's been confirmed yet. They're kind of waiting for whatever the next uh, announcement will be from uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, But uh, it's probably looking likely that the season is uh, done with. Yeah. especially with what uh, the National League North and South have uh, announced today as well. But in terms of this season, if there could have been sort of like, if it could have been a normal season and uh, a traditional end to it, how far do you think this team could have got? Do you think that, you, were you really, um, um, not not just hoping, but I'd say expecting the team could finish in the top five and get a playoff place. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't listen when when it's when everyone's on no points and the referee blows that first whistle at Bamber Bridge. We were setting out to win the league. We'll be doing the same next season, and the same the season after. Whether we're in the Conference North, NPL, whether we got relegated and we were given an opportunity to fix it. No points, no games played. We want to win the league. And why, anybody who says that they don't want to do it, oh, you know, let's consolidate. We're like, no. no, 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 that's not what we do it for. We're competitive people. We want to win. I spend all day, every day from three in the morning till midnight when I go back to bed and do three hours sleep, four hours sleep. We want to win. And that's that. So anybody who tells you that, oh, we finished 14th, it was a good season. Come on, mate. <laughs> so that's that. That's it. That's that was the mentality. Where do I believe we could have finished? Honest to God, we could, we could have gone. We could have won that league if that that had carried on. Look, we'd only played six games. We were going to have a bump in the road. Who knows? But that group of players that are still there now, that are, are you know that are working away in the background and keeping themselves fit, is I believe in every and Philo's the same. Obviously, it's me talking. I believe in every solitary one of them, from number one to nineteen, that they're good enough to, to win a league, get in a playoff, win a playoff, and every single one of them's got my faith. From 
you know, Big John Stewart at the start of the season into Sean from people like Nathan Whitehead and Craig King, who didn't even have a pre-season. You know, Craig Carney coming in late, who, you know, no one's had the opportunity to see right up to, you know, Liam Hughes and Alex Byrne, those sort of characters as wholehearted, 100% faith in every single one of them. So I truly believe we could have done it. I think what, what we've seen as well, what I've noticed, I've worked with a lot of managers on the media side, a lot of management teams. And what I've noticed in particular with the current set of lads, and even the, the non-play staff, is that everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet, which I think it, it's such a valuable asset to have. And I know when I when you speak to the lads after the game in the bar, it's that general, you get that general buzz from them that, that they're enjoying themselves. They want to be here, as opposed to, like you say, just picking up a paycheck. But Listen, Our mentality is if you don't want to be here, get off. I've, yeah. said that, I've said that to you before, haven't I? I said it last season. Very much so. Leave. I'm not bothered. But I wanted to, to slightly move into our next topic now, because, as anybody knows, Dave's quite a character. He's um, an enthusiastic but I, I call him Matlock's Mad Hatter for, for lack of a better term because you never quite know what he's going to do or what's going to come out of his mouth. Um, so I'm going I'm to start with a bit of a heartwarming story and then I'll move, uh, move on to a few other stories which we may have to check with the club where we can release them. But I, I want to start. Um, Matlock obviously played Tamworth away in pre-season. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am a bigger lad, no hair. Um, I wasn't blessed with beauty. So I, I got some stick from Tamworth fans, which, you know, it, it comes with the territory. James, uh, stop putting yourself down. I appreciate that, yeah. as you know, I do. But, uh, so obviously, I was getting getting quite a tongue lash in. And you were. <laughs> you were, I'll be honest. Uh, while the, you know, we're, we're still the... I, I, I think I spoke to you during the game. I think I, I know I'd spoke to Pillar, and it, it's that loyalty. It's definitely two way thing. I remember it's one of those things that has stuck with me. And you turned around and you you stood up for me, and you know it wasn't like you, you did that off your own back. And I think that says a lot. Like I've said about that whole everyone's one team, everyone's part of that mentality. So I. I, I don't know if I've put across how thankful I was for oh, that. thank me for that. We're in it together. But I, I think... Tomorrow, I'll do the same thing. I think it's, it says a lot about the type of character you are. And I think, you know, above all, you're a good-hearted bloke. And, but you're also a bloke who has a wicked sense of humour. And I want, to, I want to bring up another instance. Now, I can't remember what game it was. And I believe it was the away game, and you had very kindly. This could be anything. Pick. Oh, oh, I've, I've not told you any of these. You're sat there quaking your boots around. I love it. I, uh, you quite kindly offered to go and pick Matt up yes. because oh, Matt, yeah. Matt travels um, usually on trades, and I know he spoke to you about it, and Matt could confirm this and said, is, is there any chance, you know, I want to come cover the game? Uh, come, uh, I wasn't there, so I believe it was yourself, Callum Dolan, and Matt in in this car. So, 
I get text off that. I go, oh, yeah, Wild is here now. We're on a way to game. I'll, I'll cover it. Uh, to, to between you, do you want to explain what happened next? Matt, what game was it? It was... Because uh, I was just trying to think. I think, oh, it, was it a cup yeah, match? On the 4G. Was it Colson? No. I think it... Uh, what were they called? I think they were called Colson. Oh, it was, it was Colville. No, it wasn't. No, I think was... I, I thought it were. I thought it was. Oh, uh... It was Colville. Colville. Hey, Cup on the 4G. Uh, trying to think. Is it Quorn? Disrespectful, what I'm doing here. Sorry. Colville don't play. Colville don't play on 4G. It was definitely Coleshill who we played the FA Trophy. Trophy. Who did we play in the FA Cup on a Tuesday night in the middle of nowhere? Cool. Who? Cool. <laughs> what are they called? Corn. Corn. Yeah. Was it corn? And uh, no, it, it was def- It was definitely after that. I think it we was. Um, yeah, I think it was the um, Colville game. So you know the t- the game where you won on penalties. You went two 0 down. I think quite early on, and you ended up winning on penalties after a free free draw. I was so angry with Alex Byrne that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you uh, it was that it was that one. So basically, you I went outside because you told me you were ready, and then you were sort of walking down the middle of the road where I live in Sheffield, looking quite panic stricken. And then because I thought, oh, you well, you cause you know it's run out of petrol or something like oh, that. Oh. Oh, and then, no. uh, yeah, you've managed to lose your key inside a tiny gap in your car. Yeah, so and basically, basically got you and Callum Dolan trying to get the searchlights out. Tweezers. You've still got my fiance's tweezers. Oh, so <laughs> keys. I stood on my keys at the gym and, you know, the keys snapped out of the, um, I don't know, what's it called? I'm not a Hold still? What was it called? Like you, the thing that sets it off. The key, I suppose. Yeah. Out, so I have to have the metal the metal part of the key goes in and then I have to attach the key to turn the key on. Um, and the metal thing come out. And we were outside Matt's house for... We so, were quite we a while. Like, During this time, I, I get a text off, uh, off of Matt, first of all. It's like, yeah, we're ready to go. And I'm like, okay, I've got Matt covering this. I'll cover from base camp. We've got everything. We're, we're well sorted. Ten minutes later, get a text off back. Um, I don't mean to panic you, but uh, we, we can't go because Wildy's lost his key. I'm like, lost, lost his key? How? And he goes, yeah, he's dropped it in a tiny gap in the car. And then he sends me this picture, and it's just you and Callum Dolan peering into this, like the tiniest gap you've ever seen in your car. Remember, I was trying to get that guy in the van in front. I was like, look, mate, I really need your help. And he was absolutely stoned out of his marbles. <laughs> well, I thought you knew him because you were both talking to him. So I was like, so in, in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, why has he got another guy going with him sort of like in convoy? But I was like, uh, well, I'll not say anything. And then he sort of walked off anyway. And then, yeah. So, so. I know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, eventually yeah. you did get there. Eventually Just. the key was retrieved. Um, 
but it's not the only uh, funny story we have involving Dave. Uh, Dave is one of the few people I have known who you will walk over to him and he will come out with some of the most random comments you've ever seen. So, uh, case in point, Grantham Town, I believe we beat them, just beat them in FA Cup. We're all buzzing. Dave, as you know, and a lot of lads do after the game, tidying up the dugout that they've been in, being respectful, which I think something, you know, the tidying of the dugout does go unnoticed, but it's something that the club does a lot. Uh, tidying the changing rooms. Uh, so, I, I'm, you know, I'm buzzing. I've just seen beside with 1 0. Callum Dolan's come off the bench. He's scored. He's buzzing. Me and Matt are there. We'll go. We'll, you know, we don't we don't know where Gaffer's gone. Uh, he disappeared to the bar. Funnily enough, so we sat there. And we're talking to Dave, and the first words that come out of Dave's mouth upon seeing me is, "James, how fast do you think I can run around this running track? Do you want to time me? Not, oh, I'm buzzing about the win. How fast do you think I can run?" Now, what what goes through your mind? Do you know what it well, is then, with me? Do you know what it is with me for that them sort of situation like that is a bizarre comment, isn't it? Looking back, but I spend that much time and intense time all week planning, thinking, prepping, traveling, sorting players out, liaising with Phil, or speaking to yourself, what whatever it may be. That once a game's done, I have. That what ten minutes? I have probably about ten minutes where right, that's done, and I, and it just comes out. Whatever I'm thinking will come out within that ten minutes, and then boom, on to the next game. So that's my little time. That so that's uh, well. I, I, remember, I remember saying to you. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll race you over hundred meters if you want, and immediately you went, yeah, all right, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you bottled it. <laughs> I did bottle it. You won by default, I think. Yeah, you won by default. And then you uh, ended up tidying up uh, the Matlock, well, the away dugout at uh, Grantham's ground. Got to do that. Very yeah. nice. Everywhere we go, you've got to do that. During this time, I said, I haven't run in 10 years and I'm not starting now. Uh, I'm not built for speed, built for durability, but not for speed. You doing it again, James? Oh, mate, I, I, I'm um, quite happy with the, how I am on that regard. But it's it's not the only you, you are somebody I've had messages off at seven o'clock in the morning, and I think, oh wow, these messages me, you know, it's, it's just something off. It's, it does need something, and I believe you just called me one time. It was just like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, it well, it was like eight o'clock in the morning, and you were just like, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just getting out of bed. What are you doing? Well, I tell, oh. I tell you what, Wildy. What what I'll do is to um, to make up for me bottling it last time. When if when Matlock play at Grantham again, the very beautiful picturesque ground that it is. Don't say uh, it. Don't say <laughs> it. Not do it. We'll do it. We'll have hundred meter race. Okay. It's, and then, it's if, then if then if you beat me, we'll just do four hundred meters. We'll just keep yeah. on going and going. I'm actually, doing a hell of a lot of running. I'm in lockdown, so it's I've not. <laughs> there you go. It's official. The first keep off the fence podcast. Great race. Well, we'll Matthew we'll Rhodes both, versus Dave Wiles. We'll both race their mascot, the gingerbread man. We'll do. Nice. That. nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, so what were you doing at eight in the morning? Well, I, I believe I was just picking whether or not a cocoa pops or frosties. Uh, oh. I hadn't really put 
much more thought into it. Right then. Five hours into a day at that point. Now, you mentioned you've been running a lot during lockdown. I know prior to us going back into lockdown, you'd taken up boxing, I believe. You, I know you were doing a lot of sparring. Um, you did a lot of sparring with quite a, a well-known British boxer. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, would, would you like to elaborate, sir? Where is this going? Is it, what did you say? I said you've been doing some sparring with a rather well-known British boxer. Don't worry, I'm not going to do a mat. He's not going to challenge you to race. I'm going to challenge yeah. you to a scrap. Don't worry about fight. it. I'm not fighting him. That's where this is going. <laughs> no, but I just want... I know... I, what, what game were we at? I think we were at... It was one of the... And I just remember you coming over to me and going, hey, James, do you want to, do you want to see... How, how fast I can punch. I've been sparring, you know. I, I've got really into my boxing. And well, this is like, just before a game, I'm like, yeah, okay then. <laughs> you just do this quick one-two jab, like we're in some sort of John claude Van Damme movie. And then and then it's like something snaps and you're back to normal. <laughs> you, okay. You're off setting up codes. I'm like... Here's my... Look, okay. let me ask you this, yeah? When it happened, did you smile? Oh, of course. Sweet, isn't it? Well, th- th- this is it. And uh, this is why I I think you and Philo work as a as a pairing as well as you do. And I think, you know, you're very different characters in how you approach things. In how, you know, it's, it's not a case of good cop, bad cop that you sometimes get with the manager and assistant manager. It, it's a case of... You know, you're happy to have a laugh and a joke as and when it's needed. But I know once that game hits, it's serious stuff. Yeah, you'll, you know, and Philo's very, Philo's one of those people. He's very sarcastic with his humour. Um, I, I look forward to talking to him about that because some of the things he's said in the past as well uh, are, are always interesting. We're, we're an interesting bunch, but. You were just somebody who I think having that big character, and I know it, it does go over well with the lads. And I, I think so that, you know, it is commendable. But I want to move on now to talk about we've talked about Matt Lockdown, we've talked about Dave Wilde's story, as well as some of his intricacies, which is. That, that, that hadn't even scratched the surface of my story, mate. Well, <laughs> Let me tell you, if people want it, let us know. We're more than happy to have Dave back on for a part two. But I want to talk very briefly now about the outside, the general football world. Dave, for those who don't know, massive Manchester City fan. Before the money, when everyone starts, that nonsense. Here, Mike by name, Mike by nature, correct? Yeah. Now, if you don't know, uh, which I presume you do, because uh, you, you told me you listened to the first podcast. So thank you for that. Um, Matt is a big Aston Villa fan. Yes. Now... And Chesterfield. Well, they're not in the Premier League, but yeah. Yet. Yet. Uh, <laughs> Get it right. So I, I want to... A hot topic at the minute in football in general has been the whole thing around VAR. Uh, we don't have it in non-league which is a blessing. 
how do you both feel as fans of Premier League sides about VAR? No it. swear words, please. I absolutely hate it. I don't like it. I... I'd rather um, I'd rather lose one nil from a dubious goal, or like draw one one, just so you don't lose anymore, do you? But I'd rather draw like one all on a proper dubious like use our side there and be able to have something to talk about at work than be at home, obviously at the minute or when we can go at the games if obviously Matt Luck aren't playing. And just sit in that stadium like that for 10, 15 minutes, well, three minutes, four minutes at a time, waiting for a VAR. This is took the uh, took the enjoyment out of it. It hit me clean in the face when Sterling's goal got disallowed against Tottenham in the Champions League. <laughs> I took, I had my shirt off. I was on one of my best mate's shoulders. I was crying my eyes out. I, do, and I just genuinely thought that was we were going to win it that year because we were it, unbelievable. And we'd have played Ajax in the semis, and I just think we'd have been. I just think we'd have got to the final, um, and it snapped off for some of the any other year. The liner wouldn't have even put a flag up; it wouldn't have even been checked. So I just think it yeah. took the uh, romance out of it a bit. I I initially was in favour of it, but it's just it's not being used. But it's not being used in the right way. So like. It's meant to, you know, eradicate clear and obvious errors. So if someone's elbow is technically a few millimetres in front of the defender, mm. I mean, it's just, I mean, technically, well, yes. That, mate. He's not, because he can't score with it anyway. Well, yeah, exactly. Why are you offside? But it, even if it's, you know, someone's foot is like two millimetres, yeah. I mean, technically, yes, it's, Offside, but it's meant to eradicate your yeah. clear and obvious big, errors, and that's what it doesn't do. The big thing for me with that, these millimeter ones, is it's not live, it's on a freeze frame. Yeah. So at some point well, that foot was onside. So where they've the already, start? Yeah, they've already said I think the IFAB, the organization that kind of runs all that or whatever it is. And he said, like, they can't, they, they can't, when, when they pause it, freeze frame it, they can't get it 100% certain as to when, like, yeah. the assist is made or the crosses yeah. comes when in. Come off the fork. So there has to be, like, a slight um, margin for error. So it doesn't make any sense to give, like, an offside based on, like, a two-millimetre decision because you've already got a margin for error. So it's... It, the way it's implemented is is just stupid. And now, if if like Villa score now, especially if it's like you know nil nil and there's only ten minutes to go, I don't celebrate that much anymore because I'm now scared that it's going to get chalked off, and I don't want to get my hopes up. Get you in the and that, obviously that shouldn't be how it is. Get you up though, doesn't it? You what? Get you up though, doesn't it? Well, that was goal line technology. The one time it didn't work. It makes me laugh so much when, like, obviously not you, you're, you know, you're not like that, but like I've seen, did something happen when City played Villa? Yeah, the, so it was. The Rodri goal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which wasn't, which wasn't offside. But he, he, um, loads of Villa fans on Twitter hammering City saying, oh, it's a joke, VAR, you wouldn't even be in the league without it. And Villa, Villa also beat Southampton despite about three 
yeah, since that Southampton didn't do wrong and they got penalised yeah, for I just it. Feel, yeah. I just feel like go to go to work now. Like my, one of my mates at work's a big massive Liverpool fan, and the other ones like got United fans at work and blah blah blah. And every week now, you're not talking about the foot, you're talking about VAR again. That's all you ever see on Sky Sports News. You it's just took it. I just put non-league's miles better anyway, isn't it? You think it's got more? Genuinely, do you think? Well, when fans can properly get back again to stadiums, do you think uh, more people will actually start going into non-league and non-league will become more popular because the people are getting a bit disillusioned with um, with the Premier League? I think so. Yeah, I, I don't think that grounds will be full when they're allowed to be. I think they will be for the first weekend. I think. Um, I, I just don't think it's people will be going as, to the extent anymore because the the country and people are on the backside as it is anyway financially. They're not going to drop prices down, so it's still be mm. fifty quid to go and watch City. Well, I'm not paying that. I can't afford to pay that at the minute. It's you know it's not a luxury for me at the moment in life. Fifty quid to watch Man City versus Crystal Palace at the Etihad. As much as I love City. It's too much. It's too much money after six months of furlough, and then you know, in and out of work. Well, I'm not in. Look, I'm touch wood. I'm very lucky that I've got quite a stable job. But you know, I spent a lot of time on furlough. You know, same with my, you know your girlfriend and whatnot. Things are tight at the minute, aren't they? So I just don't think that I don't unless they do something to help the public. I think a lot of people will come into either lower league football, as in League Two and Chesterfield, for example. And below, I, I hope so anyway, because it's good. It's good non-league. It's great. It is, and I, I think something I always felt. I, I mean, I was looking. My dad was always a Matlock fan, so my upbringing was non-league. I, you know, I never had a league team as such. So, but I look at it, and I had friends who were Liverpool supporters, Man United supporters. You know. And I always feel you go to those clubs, you sort of see it as a, a bit of a number. Yeah. As opposed to at non league level, you have that sort of, you know, you're going bar after gate, management's there, players are there, everyone knows each other. It's that community aspect, which I think you only really get at non league level. Yeah, definitely. I remember once being at City and um, at home game, Mancini was managing that the year after and it was going a bit belly up. And there was like where where the management and the players and stuff leave. I'm not stupid. You're not going to get in a bar, are you, with 30 odd, 40,000 people? But he, the car pulled up with Mancini in it and his window was half down and a, a fan shouted something, um, which was right, for my opinion, which is basically like, it's effing this, it's effing that, it's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. And he just wound the window up. And I'll never forget that as long as I live because I used to be so pro. Mancini, it was unbelievable. I used to love him. And then the second he did that, I just thought, gone now, this. Gone. Because <laughs> they're not they're not interested. That's you know, At the end of the day, that bloke who's giving his opinion pays Mancini's wage at that time. So, And it's the same with non-league. And that's why, obviously, Philob is very, very passionate about um, no matter what the score, you can get beat 10-0 or you can win 10-0 is every single person goes in the bar for 15 minutes and you're going to engage with people and answer tough questions if they want to ask them because it's their club and they keep it running. And I think that's the, like you've just said there, that's the beauty of non-league. 
I've met so many new people in my life um, and people that never in a million years would have been mates with it, you know, in terms of my normal circle. I've still got a guy called Colin at, um, at Mosley. He still texts me regularly just to see how I am. I still speak to people from Northwich Vicks. You know, I've got, I've made friends now at, at Matlock and they're not people that you'd ever, ever associate somebody like myself with. They're all like older men or middle-aged men, but because we've got a common, uh, well, saying that I'm a middle-aged man now, because um, we've got a common interest in that club at that time, well, yeah, you make good friends with them. And I think that's a massive thing for for, uh, for non-league as well. I was speaking to oh, Robin, that's his name, isn't it? Yeah, Robin. Guy, Matlock. Yeah, Robin. The white, he wears the green pants. Yes, Robin. What a man. What a man he is, by the way. And he was saying to me that, like, I think we played, you know, we played Charlie's uh, sort of trialish squad in a friendly. Yes. He was there. And I was speaking to him and he was saying, like, and I didn't even, it still bothers me to this day that, that he was sort of like completely on his own um, at home and he just had a knee operation. Or he had he just had an operation and obviously he's come out he's he's got to self isolate he's he's in on his own and then his his sort of social aspect of life was Matlock and non league it's been took away from him and I think that for me at Matlock was the biggest eye opening moment for me of how important Matlock is as a club for the people of Matlock um, because you know ultimately. Is he all right? I spoke to him. You know, I've given him a phone number and whether he's too proud, he hasn't phoned me and I wish he had because I would gladly drive up there and go and have a, a social distance brew with him because he's, he's had something so important took away from him. Um, obviously, it's a COVID situation, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, going into the difference between non-league and the Prem, we're so important as a club for him and his life and hundreds of people like that at Matt Lock and same at Mosley and clubs everywhere. I don't think we, that's another reason why the fan thing with me, got to appreciate these people and what they do for the club week after week, bad season after bad season, good season. We're so important to the lives that that only happens in non-league because at City, they just want your money. Got a bit round the houses there. I'll describe that, but hopefully that's come across. Yeah, that's good. Well, he's my favourite man at Matlock. We we're going to have to wrap up because the Zoom countdown clock of doom is ticking away, telling us we only have three minutes and fifty seconds before it closes or something goes bang. I I, I don't know what happens, but if you do want a part two to this, there's a lot of Dave Wild stories that I'm sure untapped. We we'd love to have you on again, Dave. Thank you for your time this evening. Right. I just hope I've come across professional because I get, like I say, like, I know I'm a canon. And you were saying before about, like, the way that me and Philo work. You've got to remember at Matlock, now, I've got the luxury of not having his pressure. So I can be a little bit more chirpy and a bit more myself. And when, obviously, he was my number two at, at Mosley, he, yeah. it was all reverse. So it's just, it's just how it is at the minute, but... Maybe than jokes. If I didn't think <laughs> that you were going to be a good guest, we would have asked you to be on. And I, I think you won. I, you won. You're scraping the barrel. You need well, to get let's get Robin on. Second episode in scraping the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's my next podcast. So we'll, we'll not talk about it. 
But um, <laughs> yes, thank you to everyone who has listened. Thank you to Matt for joining me again. And we will be back in a fortnight's time with somebody else. I don't know who. Um, we will have to see. I've not thought that far ahead. Robin. Maybe. 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 Could be. Could be. You never know. Uh, so all that's left to say is this podcast, if you're listening to it, it's available on Spotify. It is available on Apple Podcasts. It is available on Amazon Music. If you like us, go and give us a, a look. Us. Look at us. I know. Spotify, uh, I know. <laughs> Th- thanks to Acast for hosting us. Um, go and give us a five-star review. Uh, say something nice about us. Say, uh, I don't know, say Dave's very knowledgeable about non-league. He'd like that. We, we can relay that to him. Um, and thank you again for joining us. We'll be back in a fortnight's time. Uh, see you later, everyone. That's just on a final thing as well. Like, I think it's brilliant what you're doing. Um, and you two don't get anywhere near as much credit as you probably should. Expect. James as well, like you get caned on social media at times and you take a big brunt, but what you do for the club is like astronomical and probably equally as, if not more important than what people like myself do. So I think sometimes you need to be a bit less harsh on yourself and realise the, the value that you do add to the club because you're a huge part of things, mate. I appreciate that, mate. And I'll slip you that further later. No, don't see. He made a joke. He made a joke, and what I've said is true. I know, mate. I I know, mate. You do you do loads for us, and without you, it's not impossible. And the same with you, Matt. So thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aldi. Someone checking on Robin for me because he's not phoned me. Well, I'll I'll see. I'll see if I see him around town. I'll tell him you've been asking. Yeah, please. All right. Right. Go wrap this up. Less than one minute. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.